Psalm 109 is a prayer of retribution and deliverance. According to the superscription, it is a psalm of David, written for the choir director to be sung in worship. A cursory reading of this psalm is startling, especially in our age of tolerance and moral relativism. A major portion of this psalm is a prayer for retribution against those who have committed evil against someone. Psalm 109 is classified as an imprecatory prayer. Now, how do imprecatory prayers square with Jesus' admonition to love our enemies and pray for those who despitefully use us? Does Psalm 109 contradict Jesus' words? In short, no. Indeed, what Jesus taught us to pray was to pray for our enemies. But he also declared that he will execute vengeance upon his enemies. Indeed, this is divine justice. Divine justice is the balance of God's wrath and mercy. Jesus prays for mercy and is ready to dispense mercy. However, should his mercy be rejected, then he will execute his wrath. Believers ought to follow Jesus' example with one caveat. We must never take vengeance into our own hand. Vengeance belongs to God. So while we pray for our enemies, and we pray for mercy for them, at the same time we can pray for retribution. So long as we leave the retribution to God and are satisfied if God instead chooses to display mercy. Now, beginning in verses 1 through 5, we have a plea for deliverance. A plea for deliverance. Verse 1, God of my praise, do not be silent. For they have opened the wicked and deceitful mouth against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. They have also surrounded me with words of hatred and fought against me without cause. In return for my love, they act as my accusers. But I am in prayer. Thus they have repaid me evil for good and hatred for my love. Notice in verse 1 that he calls upon God to speak. O God of my praise, O God of my hallelujah, do not keep silent. And David's prayer was an aspect of his worship. And then in verses 2 through 5, he gives reasons for why he needs deliverance or divine intervention. There is a circle of opposition or a group against David who are engaging in deceit and accusations. And those who attack him, he calls wicked. Literally, they are criminal or lawbreakers. Their attacks at this point are verbal rather than physical. They've opened their deceitful mouths. They have spoke against him, literally, with a lying tongue. They've lied right to his face. These false accusations contain words of hatred. Uh, They're groundless, however. None of their accusations hold any weight because, he says... They fought against me without a cause. There's no justification. They've got no evidence, no proof for their accusations. And so in return for my love, they are my accusers. So obviously these individuals had once been his friends even. And they returned his friendship with false accusations. His response at this point is crucial. Notice what David does. Rather than plot against them, he prays. Because he knows it's God who will vindicate him as he deals with those who have rewarded him with evil or set evil upon him uh, instead of good. Those who have, who have turned hatred towards him rather than love. Uh, by the way, uh, the word that he uses here, they've rewarded me evil, uh, literally means that they have given him misery or distress. Misery or distress. And so David here is praying, God, deliver me. Uh, and at the same time, uh, he's call, there's a general call for judgment here. Take care of those who have betrayed me. 
those who have unjustly accused me. Uh, again, David's straightforward. He's up front with God. He takes his case to God. He's expecting God to act. And so we now come to verse 6 through 20, which is a prayer for retribution. Now, we're not going to cover this entire prayer in this devotional. We're going to split it into two parts. To, for this devotional, we'll deal with verses 6 through 15, which is the recompense aspect of the retribution. In the second part of this devotional, we'll look at the retribution in verses 16 to 20. Because uh, there's a lot to unpack here in these verses. So let's read verses 6 through 15. Again, this is the first part of David's prayer for retribution. And this is a good example for us of how to pray in such situations. Appoint a wicked man over him, and let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is judged, let him come forth as guilty, and let his prayer become sin. Let his days be few. Let another take his office. Let his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. Let his children wander about and beg and let them seek sustenance far from their ruined homes. Let their creditor seize all that he has and let strangers plunder the product of his labor. Let there be none to extend loving kindness to him, nor any to be gracious to his fatherless children. Let his posterity be cut off. In a following generation, let their name be blotted out. Let the iniquity of his father be remembered before the Lord, and do not let the sin of his mother be blotted out. Let them be before the Lord continually, that he may be cut off from the, their memory from the earth. Now, as we've read that, that is some strong, startling words. But David's just being blunt and honest with God, and he's praying for God's retribution against those who have done him evil. Now, let, let's clarify what we're talking about here, Okay. You know, somebody that's caused you misery. You know, this is not somebody that's had a disagreement with you. We don't pray imprecatory prayers over differences of opinion. We don't pray imprecatory prayers over, uh, you know, arguments that we may have. This is somebody that's out and out, done you dirty, that's uh, cut your feet out from under you. You know, you've, you've gone to them, you've confronted them. You know, you, you know there, there's no resolution to this. They're, they're just out to destroy you, Okay. Now, now again, you know, with that definition, there that, that that slims this down. Okay, you know, this isn't you know I'm not praying an imprecatory prayer because you know somebody disagreed with the decision I made, or you know I'm not praying an imprecatory prayer against somebody because you know so and so didn't agree with me. That's not what we're doing here. Uh, these are for people who are out to get you, out to uh, you know, basically destroy your reputation. Uh, do you harm, cause harm to your family, uh, you know, there's no remorse, no repentance on their part, there's, you know, out and out, evil is their motive, okay, their, their goal in life is your destruction. So, let's go through verses 6 through 15. David lists out a long list of curses, uh, and basically uh, why uh, God should bring about his judgment. Uh, he prays first that evil would come upon his enemy. Why? Because they didn't show mercy. They persecuted the poor and needy man. That, uh, you know, right there, there's the heart of it. These people are going after the poor. They're going after the needy. Uh, they showed no mercy. Okay? And we've seen that theme before throughout the Psalms and even in the book of James and in the, and in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. You know, uh, the one who wants mercy ought to be the first to show mercy. 
Well, these people have shown no mercy. He's received no mercy from his enemy, so he prays God show them no mercy. Now, again, he's leaving this with God. If God chooses to show them mercy, that's on God. This is David's request to God. And again, we can pray the same way. Uh, so, again, he's prayed for no mercy. Um, he, this is morally correct on David's part. Uh, our whole criminal justice system is built upon uh, this formula here. Okay? Uh, you know, that we're, you know, you did something wrong. Uh, you know, we reserve the right whether to uh, give you mercy or to judge you and find you guilty. Uh, so, again, that's all David's simply praying for here. Um, his adversary, his accuser, he wants him to be at the judge's right hand. In other words, he wants a guarantee that this man is going to be found guilty. Uh, his enemies are going to protest their innocence, but God, you expose them for what they are. Let his prayer become sin. Literally, let his prayer expose that he is missing the mark of your standard. Let his days be few and let another take his office. Now, apparently, this, this individual held an office uh, in, uh, in Israel, in the kingdom, uh, perhaps even in the palace. And so David says, let him be publicly disgraced. You know, now, no doubt, uh, his enemies had attempted to publicly disgrace him. So God, render to him what he's rendered to me. Uh, give him an untimely death. Let his children be followed and his wife a widow. Uh, you know, again, you know, this curse is not just extending to the man, but to his family. Okay. Uh, again, what they've done to David extended not only to David, but to David's family. So David's pride, listen, what he's given, let him receive in kind. And, uh, you know, ruin his job, ruin his house, uh, make their place desolate. Uh, now, are you understanding as we're going through this, why you just don't pray in precatory prayers you know, just for anybody that's, you know, uh, offended you, okay? These imprecatory prayers are reserved for people who do evil. All right, let's move on. Again, uh, uh, let the creditor seize all that he has. In other words, plunder his savings. Uh, let there be none to extend mercy to him or to his children. And let disaster befall him in verse 13. Uh, you know, cutting off somebody's posterity in the Hebrew culture was one of the uh, most heinous things you could do because, you know, that, that's what you were leaving the next generation, your posterity. That was something, you know, that, that was your, um, your goal in life was to leave a name, a legacy. And, you know, that's why Hannah was so upset. She had no children to carry on, you know, uh, her husband's legacy. And so when David says, you know, cut off his legacy, cut off his lineage, cut off his posterity, uh, you know, this is some serious business. Let them keep, be continually before the Lord. In other words, let their sins always be exposed before God and then cut his memory off from the earth. Okay. In other words, he can be remembered by God, but let, let him be forgotten by men. Now, why? Why does David pray all of this misery, all of this judgment, all this retribution against his enemies? Well, we see the ground in verse 16. And uh, I'll touch on it. Because he did not remember to show loving kindness, but persecuted the afflicted and the needy man. You know, again, he's, uh, you know, simply restating, repeating what he has previously said. Uh, here's the grounds for imprecatory prayer. He showed no mercy and he persecuted the poor and needy, which in this case was David. Okay. 
Now, again, it doesn't mean poor necessarily financially. Poor can be in a number of ways. Uh, he could be poor health. He could have been, uh, you know, uh, poor in in uh, in spirit. He could have been uh, uh, certainly poor in the sense of poverty. That wasn't the case with David. Uh, but David is the poor and needy man in this case. And so, listen, Lord, uh, slay the slay the broken in heart. That's uh, what God he wants God to do. Now, David is listen, David. It will be satisfied in whatever, however God answers the prayer. But he pray, pray, this is his prayer, his prayer for retribution. And again, there is several imprecatory prayers throughout the book of Psalms. They're there under the inspiration and superintendence of the Holy Spirit. They're there for us to learn. And I believe there are, they are there for us to even pray. Though I would say, be very careful. We, also, we always should pray for deliverance. We can at times pray for retribution, but remember, you must leave the retribution with God. Once you've prayed it, leave it with God. Don't harp on it. Don't harbor on it. Don't keep bringing it up. Leave it with God. Uh, these guys, uh, they had uh, when David was down, they kicked him. They kicked him below the belt while he was down. When he was wounded, they kept on wounding him. And so uh, this remembrance of their injustices triggered off this set of curses for retribution that will continue in verses 16 through 20. Father, I thank you for this uh, example of an imprecatory prayer, uh, this example that we have for us. Uh, certainly, Lord, vengeance is yours. We don't uh, expect to take it in our own hands, but we're we're, we're pleased to know that, Father, when we are hurt, when we have been maligned, when we've been abused and misused by people who have sought to do us evil, that, uh, Lord, we can pour out our heart to you and we can pray for your divine justice to be done. We can pray for your wrath to be poured out on them. But at the same time, Father, guard our hearts that we don't take this up and make it our cause, but that we leave it with you. And that, Father, if you choose to show the mercy, that, Father, we would be satisfied with that as well. Uh, Father, I pray that you would help us uh, not to be vindictive, not to be vengeful. Uh, Father, I would ask and pray that you would help us to also discern the difference between uh, having uh, uh, differences with someone uh, and, uh, you know, actually uh, uh, having someone seek to do us evil or seek to uh, destroy us or hurt our or malign our reputation. And may we only invoke these imprecatory prayers in such cases. Father, forgive us uh, for trying to uh, keep these things to ourselves, Father, for not laying out how we're feeling about situations, for not bringing our honest, raw emotion before you, as as the psalmist did. And uh, so, Father, help us to that end. Lord, I pray that uh, we can uh, go forth as we... uh, uh, get involved in different situations that, Lord, should such a situation arise as what we see here in Psalm 109, that we would cry out to you. Cry out to you for deliverance, but also cry out for retribution. Father, may you get all the praise and all the glory through our lives in how we do things and how we operate and what we say and what we do. And we pray this and commit this to you in the, son, in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.